You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Luke chapter number 7 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Now when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant, who was dear unto him, was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying, that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Verse 6, Then Jesus went with them. And when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned him about, and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have found not, uh, not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it never ceases to amaze us, the power that is in your word and the power that is found in Jesus Christ. I thank you for this story. I thank you that it's true. I thank you that it's real. I thank you that that same power is available to us today. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts, help us to be open and receptive, help us to be hearers of the word, but may we also be doers of the word. Uh, with what we hear this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. In Luke chapter 7, we find a centurion. A centurion was a not only a soldier, but he was a, a man who had a hundred soldiers that ranked under him. Uh, this was certainly a man who was important. This was a man that had some power. This was a man that had some authority. Uh, obviously, this was a man's man. You know, you're not going to uh, put a wimp in charge of a hundred soldiers, but he had the, the, the respect and the command of these men. And the Bible tells us that this centurion, as, as strong and as powerful as he was, he cared about the condition of his servant. Have you ever thought about that? You know, many times in the Gospels, uh, people would send to Jesus for their children. You know, my, my, my son is sick or my daughter is sick. But this centurion, he was very concerned and burdened for his servant who was sick. We see in this passage, verse number two, that this uh, servant was not just sick a little bit. He was sick a lot. He was sick and ready to die. Now, it's hard to explain, it's hard to explain what that would mean because for, for those of us men in this room, anytime we're sick, that's how we feel. And ladies, you don't understand that and we don't expect you to understand that, but when a man is sick, it's real and it's real bad and it's, that's just the way it is. 
And, uh, and then ladies get sick and they don't skip a beat. You know, they just keep on going and they don't even tell anybody about it. Well, if we're, if we're really sick, we've got to tell people about it. We've got to get some sympathy. And ladies, we'd appreciate if, you know, you would give us a little bit of that once in a while. Yeah, you're welcome, Brother Curry. Let me see if, I, if there's anything else I was supposed to say from that list you gave me right before the service. But this centurion, he's got a need. I want you to notice, number one, there, he's a soldier. Uh, he's a man of power. He's a man of authority. He's a man of leadership. But he had a need. He had a problem that he could not fix. It didn't matter how much money he had. His money couldn't fix this problem. It didn't matter how many connections he had. It didn't matter how much experience he had. It didn't matter how much authority he could command. But he could not heal his servant. And friend, I want to tell you it's a very helpless feeling, but it's a very real feeling. When you have a need and there's nothing you can do, humanly speaking, to meet that need. So this man, he has a need. I want you to notice also about this man who is powerful and who is a man of authority. It says in verse number um, four that he was worthy. So he sends the elders of the Jews to Jesus. He does not go himself. And the reason is he's a Roman and he thinks that maybe if he sends the Jews, they would have a, a better connection or maybe they'd get a better response. So he sends the elders of the Jews and they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, this man is a good man. This man is worthy. If you heal his servant, you would not be sorry that you did it. He is absolutely 100% worthy of this deed. They go on to talk about him and they say in verse number five, for he loveth our nation. Now here's a Roman soldier, but the Jews say he loves our nation. He, he cares about our people. He is truly uh, concerned with our well-being. Now, I'm going to take a little rabbit trail, and it's okay once in a while to take a rabbit trail as long as you bring home a good rabbit. And I want to say that in our world today, there's nothing wrong with loving your country. As a matter of fact, I hope you do. Uh, I hope that you love and appreciate what we have in this country. It's not a perfect country, but there's not a country on planet Earth that I'd rather live in than the United States of America. I think it's okay to be patriotic. I think it's okay to uh, do the pledge to the flag. I think that's wonderful. I think you need to do that. Don't ever let that uh, take first place in your life. Don't let that ever become more important to you than God. Don't ever uh, idolize or, or, or put a, a, a politician on a pedestal, a pedestal more than you would Jesus Christ. He's the only one worthy of our praise. He's the one that we worship. He's the one that we serve. But they made this statement, he, he loves our country, and he built a synagogue. Wow, here's a man that took money out of his own pocket and, and, and men out of his uh, own uh, authority, and, and, and he had a, a temple built. I believe he financed it. I believe he organized it. I don't know if he actually did the work, but he was responsible for it. You say, well, Pastor, we could never do that. Be, you imagine how much it costs to build a church? We're talking millions of dollars. You say, I could never build a church. Well, I got news for you. You don't have to because Jesus Christ is the one that's building his church. And he promised that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. But he allows us to have a part in the work of God. 
He allows us to have a part in building the church. You say, but I never took a hammer. I never put up a piece of sheetrock. I never uh, 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 put in a light fixture. I never put in a pew. Well, you didn't have to. You know why? Because you gave. You gave your tithe and you gave your offering so that the work of God could continue. You prayed, uh, you, you served faithfully in the, the ministries, the nurseries and the bus ministry and the, the children, the choir. And you've, you've, you've prayed and you've sacrificed and you've been involved and you're here today. And did you know that we get to have a part in building the church of Jesus Christ? It's not our church, it's his church. But he builds it and he allows us to have a part in building this man, he obviously cared about the Jews. He actually had a respect and a reverence for God. He, he built a synagogue. He was a great man. But he comes to Jesus through these elders of the Jews that he sends, and he comes to Jesus on the behalf of another. He's not coming to ask for Jesus to heal him. He's asking for Jesus to heal his servant. This is what we would call an intercessory prayer. It's where we're praying for somebody else. And let me tell you, the Bible commands us to pray for one another. The Bible says in 1 Samuel that, that, that God forbid that we should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. So many times, if we're honest, our prayer list is, Lord, I need this, and I got to have this, and I want this, and I want you to do this. And if we're not careful, our prayers are all about us rather than a prayer for somebody else. Remember that passage in Job 42, where the Bible says at the end of Job's life, after all the, the problems and all the difficulty and his friends were so critical and his friends were uh, so discouraging, but the Bible says that God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Why don't you try that this week? Why don't you try praying for your friend? Why don't you try praying for a family member? Why don't you pray for a coworker? Why don't you pray and intercede on behalf of another for God to hear and God to answer? This man is interceding on the behalf of his servant. Number two, I see not only the soldier, but the servant. This servant, and in Bible times, I think you understand this, servants were not usually given the option of who they wanted to serve. Usually, they were serving a master and it was not by their choice. They didn't get to shop around for a better job or better pay or better benefits or better hours or better, you know, housing. No, no, no. When you were a servant, you were usually stuck in that spot. But would you notice with me what it says in verse number two? There was a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him. Isn't that awesome? This soldier, this centurion had a servant and that servant was dear. That servant uh, meant something to that master. That servant was important to the leader. Friend, I want to tell you there's a lot of applications here and I don't want to get bogged down on this thought. But let me say, if you are a leader, if you are an employer, if you are a manager, if you are a supervisor, the people that work under you they ought to know that you care about them. And that was kind of quiet. Did I say something wrong? Let me say it again. The people that work for you and under you and the people that you supervise, they ought to know that you are valuable to them, not just for what 
you can do for them, but they are valuable to you because of who they are, that you care about people. I want to remind you, you say, oh yeah, well, this servant here, who cares about the servant? I'd rather be the master. Well, Jesus said it like this, it'd be better and it is better to be the servant than it is to be the master. Jesus came not uh, uh, to be served, but Jesus came to serve. Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So don't get the idea that in life that you've reached the pinnacle when you're the boss. Oh, no, the greatest of us, the greatest among us, Jesus said, are the servants and not the masters. But this servant was dear unto his master. He was a good servant. Notice verse number 8. This centurion said, and he's giving an example to Jesus of, of the authority that he has and the authority that he's under. He said, but I say unto one servant, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. Now, I was reading this passage this past week, and it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. That's the way it ought to be. A servant ought to go when the master says go. A servant ought to come when the master says come. And a servant ought to do when the master says do. Now, I, I don't like it usually when you get ahead of me. But in this case, I hope you're already getting ahead of me. I hope you know where I'm going. I'm talking about we serve a master. We serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. And all of us, we are servants of the king. And I hope when the master says go, I hope we go. When the master says come, I hope we come. And when the master says do, I hope we do. I hope we do what he has called us to do. Because there's coming a day when we're going to stand before the master. And it is my prayer and it is my goal and it is my desire to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. And may God help us to be servants. This servant was a faithful, loyal, uh, loving uh, a servant to his master. I see quickly, number three, I see there was a sickness. This was a severe sickness. This was a sickness where the man was ready to die. This was not a sickness where the doctor would say, go home, get some rest, give it a few days, and you'll be good as new. This was a situation where the doctor said, go home, hug the necks of your family members, tell everybody you love them, because you will not recover. That's the sickness that we're talking about. And friend, I want to remind you today that sometimes we read these passages and we think, oh, you know, Jesus healed the, healed the man that was sick. He probably gave him a couple Tylenol. He probably gave him some medicine. He probably, you know, gave him a couple aspirin and said, oh, you know, give it a little time. But that's not the way this was. This was a man who was going to die unless Jesus stepped in. And this centurion was so concerned for his servant that he sent for Jesus. I want you to notice quickly number four. I see in this passage, I see submission. When the centurion heard about Jesus, the Bible says that he sent the elders of the Jews to Jesus. He did not go himself, but he sent them in verse number uh, three, and he said, I want you to beseech Jesus. And we don't use that word often in today's 
uh, society, but the word beseech, it means to beg. It means to plead. It means literally to get on your hands and knees and and ask and, and pray for something to happen. If we're honest, most of us do not like doing that. And I'm not saying you ought to do that. You know, every time you go to McDonald's, I don't think you have to get on your hands and knees and say, please give me a Big Mac. It means so much to me. I'm not saying you have to do that. But what about when it's life and death? What about when it's a family member? What about when it's a friend? What about when it's somebody close to you? What about when it's a, a deathbed situation? What about it's when it's someone who's not saved or someone who is backslidden? What about when it's something that, it, that is of utmost importance? I hope that we're willing to humble ourselves and beseech the Lord and beg for God to hear and beg for God to answer. The elders of the Jews, they went to Jesus and they said to Jesus, this man, he's worthy. This man is a good man, and, and he deserves for this good thing to happen to him. But then I want you to notice with me in verse number 6. Then Jesus went with them. So Jesus goes with these elders, and they're on their way to the centurion's house. And the Bible says when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him. So now he's sending some more people to Jesus. And here's the message that the centurion sends to Jesus. He says... Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Verse 7, wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. Now, what's the difference here? The Jews say, this man is worthy, and the centurion says, Jesus, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. I wasn't even worthy to come and enter into your presence. So here's the difference. If somebody else is praising you, that's okay. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth. A stranger and not thine own lips. If if I'm coming and I'm telling you what a great singer Brother George is, and by the way, he is a great singer, but if I'm coming to you and telling you that's okay, what's not okay is for Brother George to come to you and tell you what a great singer he is. And, and, and you know why I'm using him for an example? Because he did that. No, no, he didn't do that. Because he doesn't do that. But it's okay if somebody else praises you and just be careful when you hear it, make sure it doesn't go to your head. And when you do hear it, make sure you're quick to give God the glory. But it's not okay for you or me to, to tell everybody how great we are because the honest truth is we're not great. We're a bunch of sinners. We are, we, are, we, are, we are human beings that are fallen and, and we are human beings that fail every day and we need the grace of God. We need the help of God. And this man said, I am not even worthy to be in your presence. May God help us to have that kind of humility. We live in a society where, where we're so entitled. We live in a society where we think we deserve everything. We live in a society where if somebody even looks at us funny, we get all mad and we bristle and we get all upset. May God remind us of who we really are. And may God remind us of how much we need him every single day. You say, well, pastor, if, if we're not worthy, as this centurion said, he's not worthy to come to Jesus, then, then how can we come to Jesus? How can we bring our needs to Jesus if we're not worthy? Well, the he- book of Hebrews tells us in chapter 4 that we are to come boldly, right, unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy. So we need help that we can't give. We need something we don't deserve. 
that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. But Hebrews 4 tells us the reason that we can approach the throne of grace boldly is because we're not coming in our merit. We're coming in the merit of our high priest, Jesus Christ. So when I come before God, I'm not saying, God, it's Jeremy again, and I just want, oh, no, no. I say, Lord, I'm here today, and I'm not here because of me, but I'm here because of your son. And I'm coming boldly, not because of what I've done, but I'm coming boldly because of what Jesus did for me. And that is how we come before the throne. That is how we make our requests known through Jesus Christ and his merits rather than ours. Notice verse number eight. The centurion said, I also am a man set under authority. He said, I've got people that I answer to. I've got some generals and I've got some, uh, some sergeants and I've got some people above me. And he said, and then I've got some people that are under me. He said, I know how that works. He knew about submission. This centurion knew how to submit to authority and he knew what it was like to have people submit to him. I want to ask you this morning, and when I ask you a question, I hope you know I'm asking myself too, and I've already asked myself this question. But, but are we willing, honestly, truly, are we willing to submit to the authority of God in our lives? When God speaks to you about something, are you willing to say yes? Are you willing to yield your will to say, I'll submit to the Holy Spirit of God, whatever he wants, whatever he says, that's what I'll do. Are you willing to submit to the word of God? Are you willing to submit to those things in your life? I hope so. You say, well, pastor, I would be willing to submit, but, but God just hasn't really spoken to me and God really hasn't showed me anything and God hasn't pointed anything out. Well, that also is a problem. Because maybe it's that we're not reading the Bible or maybe we're not listening for the Holy Spirit. I know the Holy Spirit's working on me. I know the Holy Spirit's speaking to me. I know the Holy Spirit convicts me. And can I tell you, when he does, I want to answer. When he does, I want to say yes. But we see the lesson here of submission. Quickly, number five, I want you to notice the statement. I love this, verse number seven. The centurion has now sent some friends to Jesus. They're getting close to the house. They're not there yet. But he sends the friends and, and, and he says, tell Jesus, just say in a word and my servant shall be healed. Now think about this faith. He says, Jesus, I have so much confidence that you can heal my servant. You don't even have to come. You don't have to be on the property. You don't even have to be under my roof. You don't even have to touch the servant. You don't even have to speak directly to the servant. If you would just speak, I know that would work. If you would just speak, that would be enough for me. And friend, here we are. And I think if, if we were honest today, I think we'd say, if Jesus would speak to us, if we could get a word from the Lord, that'd be enough that we'd be okay. All the, all the problems, all the cares of this life, we know that those could all be fixed with a word from the Lord. But I wish we had a word from the Lord. And I'm here to tell you this morning, we do. I'm here to tell you this morning that we don't just have a word. We got all of them. We've got the whole word of God. We've got the whole Bible. 
This centurion, he didn't have the whole Bible. He may have studied some of the Old Testament law as a Roman. He may have began to, to search and to study about Jesus, but he didn't have what we have. And by the way, not only do you have the Bible, not only do I have the Bible, we've got the Holy Spirit living inside of us. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you and I, we not only have uh, the, the Bible, we not only have the Holy Spirit, but we have the local church where we can assemble three times a week and we can be helped and encouraged and strengthened. And God uses those things to solidify our faith. I hope that we could have that same confidence. Lord, if you would just speak the word, everything would be okay. I see his statement. This was not a Jew. This was not a religious man. This was a Roman soldier who said, all I need is a word from Jesus. Number six, quickly, I see Jesus places his stamp of approval upon this man. Now, now, now notice with me, verse 9, when Jesus heard these things, now he hasn't even met this man, he's just got the message from him. But when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. Now that word marveled, I want you to stay with me here for a minute. That word marveled sometimes can mean shocked. And sometimes we get shocked by the crazy things people say. But that's not this word marveled. This word marveled means to admire. And Jesus stepped back and said, wow, that is amazing faith. And he said, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. The disciples did not say this about the centurion. The elders did not say this about the centurion. Jesus himself said, this man has great faith. I've not seen anything like this in all of Israel. Wouldn't it be wonderful if when we leave out of here, wouldn't it be wonderful if Jesus could say that about us? We got a lot of problems. We got a lot of faults. We got a lot of failures. We got a lot of setbacks. But hey, we got some faith. And for Jesus to look down and to see beyond the outside. And for Jesus to look down and see beyond uh, the exterior. But for Jesus to look down and see our heart and say, there is a person that has faith. Hebrews 11 reminds us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. May we have that kind of faith. Lastly, I'm done. I see in verse number 10, I see the solution there's been a lot that's happened in this story, but up to this point, the servant's not healed yet. Up to this point, there's been a lot of conversation. There's been a lot of great lessons. There's been a lot of things for us to learn. But up until verse number 10, the servant is still sick. He's still ready to die. The family is still wondering, is he going to get better? But there's a solution. They needed a fix. They needed an answer. They needed a remedy. And verse 10 says that they that were sent... Those messengers that were sent to Jesus, the, the elders of the Jews and the friends, those that were sent, they returned, the Bible says, to the house and they found the servant whole that had been sick. Now that word whole does not mean that he was feeling a little better. That word whole does not mean that he was on the mend. That word whole does not mean that he was showing some signs of improvement. That word whole, W-H-O-L-E, that word whole means 
that he was healthy. It means that he was healed. It means that he was fine. It means if you would take a look at him, you wouldn't have even known he was sick. You wouldn't have even known that he was getting ready to die. He got healed. He got healed, the Bible says, that had been sick. Don't you love that? Yeah, he was a has-been. <laughs> he was a used-to-be. He used to be sick, but not anymore. He had had some problems, and he had been making his, his final will, and he had been saying goodbye to all his family, but not anymore. Now they're planning for Christmas. Now they're planning for the next family reunion because he had been sick, but now he's whole. You say, well, Pastor, I'm here today, and I'm feeling pretty good, as a matter of fact. Um, no, no cough, no headache, no sore throat. As a matter of fact, I don't even have any aches or pains. Well, now, don't, don't rub that into the rest of us, you know. But you say, I'm, I'm okay, I'm not sick, I'm healthy, I feel like I'm fine. You say, how's this message for me? Well, the Bible says that they that are whole, W-H-O-L-E, those that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But then the next verse goes on to say that Jesus came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So Jesus uses this and he gives the spiritual application. Here's the spiritual application. If you are whole, if you are righteous, then Jesus didn't come to help you. Say, so, well, what does that mean? Well, it means if you think you don't need Jesus, he can't help you because he's not going to force himself on anybody. He's not going to come and he's not going to force you against your will. You have the opportunity to choose to receive him or reject him, but it's your choice. So the Bible says that Jesus came not to, uh, to, for, for the righteous, but he came to call sinners to repent. So, so who's a sinner? Well, Romans 3.23 makes that pretty clear. We're all sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so Jesus came to heal everybody who admits that they've got a problem. And if you're here today and you've never been saved, I want to tell you, you've got a problem like the rest of us. We're all sinners. But your problem is that you haven't gotten it fixed yet. Because when a person admits that they're a sinner and they realize that they need Jesus and they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, that is when they are made spiritually whole. And I wonder today if you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm not even sure if I'm saved. Josh got baptized today and he got baptized because there was a time and a place where he put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He's been made whole. He's on his way to heaven. Does that mean he's a perfect person? No, none of us are. We're all still sinners. But the difference is some of us are sinners that have been saved by grace and some are still sinners in need of that saving grace. But you're here, maybe you've never been saved. Today's the day for you to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But maybe you have been saved. But maybe you've allowed that sin to get back in and that sin doesn't steal your salvation, doesn't rob you of eternal life. But that sin robs you of joy. And it robs you of victory. And that sin separates between you and God and it keeps you from having the fellowship. Is God still your father and are you still his child? Absolutely. Nothing can change that. Nothing can separate that. But your fellowship 
can be stopped. Your fellowship can be damaged. And as for me, and I hope for you as well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, but I want to walk with Jesus every day. And I want to live in fellowship with God each and every day. And I can't do that with sin. I've got to have that sin dealt with. I've got to have that sin confessed so that the blood of Jesus can cleanse and forgive me. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.